0: Ministry Mentorship, Episode 43. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia, and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministry. Before we get started, I want to let you know about our next Ministry Mentorship Live Bible Study. And that is going to be taking place on the 27th of May at 8 p.m. Central Time. Uh, special guest is Mitchell Bland from St. Louis, Missouri. He is a tremendous minister. He's a licensed counselor. And uh, he's going to be talking about how a young minister can stay uh, healthy, both emotionally and spiritually. And you won't want to miss this study. It's going to be an incredible time. For more information, you can go to ministrymentorship.com backslash Bible-study, or look for the Bible study link in the show notes. We'd also like to thank all the listeners who have encouraged us through emails and and Facebook posts. Thank you for the encouragement, the podcast ideas, and we really appreciate the support that that we've received. If you have any questions or comments, you can send me an email, jacob at com. We'd love to hear from you. In this interview, we're going to be talking with Pastor Granville McKenzie from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Uh, Brother McKenzie has a tremendous international church in Toronto. He's going to be sharing some of his insight into uh, intergenerational leadership, being a bivocational minister, and also uh, he's going to be talking about ministry development. This is just a tremendous interview, and and I hope you can pick up on the the servant spirit that he has and his love for others. And I just pray that it will be a, a great blessing to you. Uh, let's join the conversation now. All right, we're thankful to have Pastor Granville McKenzie with us today. He is the senior pastor of Faith Sanctuary Church in Toronto, Ontario, and he has served as the sectional presbyter and is also on the global missions board of the United Pentecostal Church International. He has a master's of theological studies and is currently pursuing another degree at this time and. He's been in ministry for over 25 years. Brother McKenzie, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Now, tell us a little bit of your story.
1: Well, I, um, I was born in Jamaica many years ago and uh, came to Canada when I was 10 years old. My parents just wanted to have a little better opportunity for us educationally, and I was blessed to be born into a wonderful Christian home. Both of my parents, and neither of them was in ministry in Jamaica. That, that sort of came about once we came to Canada. But they were just absolutely um, first-class Christians. And uh, so, I was saved at eleven, baptized at eleven years old, filled with the Spirit at eleven years old, and um, basically I've been in church all my life. And have no complaints, no sad stories to tell, and no no jail time, no, <laughs> no drugs and alcohol. You know, just a nice, nice uh, Christian
0: life. You you have a an exciting church, and I've been to your website and and just seen some of the pictures and some of the things that you have going on. Uh, talk to us a little bit about your church and and give us a feel for kind of what that is like.
1: Well. My dad uh, pastored that church for 30 years before he passed away in 2003, and really, it, it grew from from a family of, of six, which was ourselves, one little old lady, and, uh, and the Lord, really, after the time of testing that we all have to go through, just started to bless the church. So, we, we're in our third building. We... Uh, started with a building that seated 96 people. And my dad was truly a man of faith. Uh, the name Faith in Faith Sanctuary uh, really is is a reflection of his faith and the incredible uh, vision that he had. And so uh, we moved from the church to seat 96 to one that seated 1,200. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> An old uh, movies, uh, movie theater that we... It and converted it to a church so it was really an amazing transition and we were there for over 20 years and our current building uh, we moved into about uh, 13 years ago and so his vision was to have a place you know, we could be in for a while our present building seats close to 2,000. The, uh, we have a seniors residence 150 unit uh, seniors apartment building our church is, uh, uh, has, at last count, uh, over 30 different nationalities and 19 different languages. And so, so we are actively now working on um, having different, a uh, different language service every night of the week. So, oh, uh, presently wow. we have Chinese, uh, Chinese, Hungarian, French, uh, Tagalog. Spanish, of course, and and English. So we're up to six, and uh, looking for our seventh. Uh, we are hoping uh, that we will find a pastor to uh, you know who speaks uh, another language that's prevalent in our city. Uh, Italian is our our hope, and um, and so with that, we we are just you know really uh, really blessed. That's really the only reason. Um, for me to have a, another uh, church it's if, if, if there's a language difference apart from that we just love to have everybody uh, together um, however we do have daughter works outside of our area and uh, so in, in adjoining cities and, and neighborhoods that are somewhat far from where we are we do have a number of daughter works going there so so uh, it's, it's a very exciting thing. We're in a, uh, an, area, an area we that, uh, well, Toronto itself and our area in particular, we just have people from every corner of the world. Um, in Toronto, there are uh, at last count people from 168 different nations of the world and, and it really is that um, a United Nations of Canada and and so it would be similar to a New York or a Los Angeles, as far as ethnic diversity. And so it's just a fantastic place to be. Um, my particular focus, uh, when I, when I uh, was elected pastor, I was praying one of those desperation prayers <laughs> that you just sometimes have to pray. I said, Lord, what on earth am I doing here? And what do you want me to do? How do I reach this neighborhood? And, uh, immediately, the answer came: It's reach the children, and you'll you'll get the whole family. So we do uh, work very hard at uh, children's ministry. That is something we feel is the way forward for us. And um, and of course, along with that, training and deploying um, uh, others who can launch our daughter works and and um, other outreach activities. So. That's that's us in a nutshell. Church is now forty. Well, actually, in in twenty seventeen, it will be fifty years old, and uh, so
0: we thank God for that. We're hanging in there. Wow, that that sounds like a very busy uh, community. <laughs>
1: uh, it, it is, it is, and so uh, I really don't have much time to hang around at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a full-time
0: task I'm wow. for sure. Now, Brother McKenzie, how did you first get started in ministry?
1: Well, uh, growing up in a pastor's home, that was uh, the sort of thing where where everybody does everything, and so I've often joked that I've done every job in the church apart from. Uh, Ladies' Ministry Reader, um, but, but uh, really, uh, when when there are seven in the church, then then there isn't uh, uh, far to look to see yeah. who's going to do whatever needs to be done. And as we grew, you know, I, I was blessed to be able to uh, be involved in every aspect of the uh, the church. And uh, then in my, I mean, I'm 57 years old now, in my I really um, started to feel that um, that call to pastoral ministry, in which I I just did everything in my power to fight, because that was um, if you grow up in a pastor's home, uh, it's probably not uh, a job that you want to take on. <laughs> and and I've often said is uh, you know, those who might. Uh, Decide! Oh, I want to be a pastor and split a church somewhere and go off. I mean, they just have no clue yeah. what they're doing. This this is just not something you take on um, if you are not called. Then, and, you know, read people at Walmart or something. But certainly, um, I I in mean it because I, I just felt that definite call. That's a long story. I won't get into now. But but I certainly. I have absolutely no doubt of my calling to this and uh, just started by doing it every day um, alongside my mom and dad
0: and and as as we're talking about this you know you've mentioned your father a couple of times and it sounds like he was a real yeah. real influence in your life talk about that and, and how he influenced you and maybe some of the other influencers in your life in ministry.
1: Yeah, uh, again, I I am one of those who is absolutely blessed to have been born into a a Christian family. And when I say a Christian family, I don't mean, um, you know, we go to church on Sunday and and live like the devil the rest of the week. My parents were absolutely real. Um, My dad, uh, it's, again, one of the little jokes we have uh, at our church, Um, he he preached like a professor i mean there is no hmm. <laughs> charisma and uh uh-huh. and flash um, but but the power of his ministry was was an integrity that was just unquestionable and and so um as a teenager uh, to be honest, he and I were always on the opposite sides of every issue. It didn't matter what it was. <laughs> we, we, we were just not together. Uh, so it, it is to me a very um, phenomenal uh, thing that I can say at this stage of my life that he was uh, absolutely the biggest influence I had in coming into ministry. No, I mean, when I, I left home, got married, had kids and all of that, he and I became extremely close. Um, but but uh, growing up, we were just always on opposite sides. Uh, my mom uh, was an angel sent from heaven. Um, she she prayed uh, for us in ways that, I mean, and I know many have this testimony, but I just have nothing uh that I can say about my mom, apart from the fact that that um, you know, if I don't make it to heaven, I have absolutely no excuse <laughs> <laughs> with with the yeah. the kind of prayers that she prayed and the example that she and my dad set. So those they were uh, my my uh, absolute uh, most important influencers. And then uh, when I got married again. I think marriage is a very important um, uh, thing in someone's life. We we don't or shouldn't. what I said last week, and I had not spoken to my pastor. Um, mm. He had um, said something different, and that's what we're going to do. And so so uh, those are my four uh, main influencers. My mom and dad have gone on to be with the Lord, and so, uh, of course, you don't replace people like that. Um, my wife and my pastor are still with me. Uh, those are my primary influencers. Now, I do have secondary uh, influencers uh, some very dear friends who who uh, are I, I would say more like consultants if you know what mm-hmm. i mean there are times that certain decisions need to be made and i can say well this person or that person would have um, you know would have something um, to say to this topic and so i would consult them um but but certainly as far as my main influencers they were you know, those four, my mom, dad, my wife, and my pastor.
0: Now, you worked with your dad for for many years, and you talked about how your relationship grew. And And before you became the senior pastor, you guys had worked together. Talk to us a little bit about how, uh, and this podcast is geared towards younger ministers, 18 to 30 years old. How can they uh, work with a senior uh maybe an older minister, maybe they're in a church right now. Give them some advice on how they can effectively work in that kind of a position
1: mm. uh well uh first, you know uh we have two ears and one mouth, and so as has often been been said, we need to listen twice as much as we speak, and I think that is so crucial um uh, when when I was young, um, as I, I mentioned, my dad and I were, were always at odds. But somehow or other, uh, I just always had the understanding that he is the pastor mm-hmm. and he is the man of God. And so whatever he said went. And, and funnily enough, when it came to church stuff, I, I never fought with him um over anything to do with the church. And 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 I would I would you know question certain things, and uh, wonder why did he say that? Why did he do that? But uh it was a question. and I would ask him if so be um you know what's what's the reason behind that. But that was never a source of contention. Sure. It was just a, a matter of uh, um you know what's what's going on here. Um so so if you have the privilege, uh, and of course one should seek out a mentor, uh, if it's a pastor you currently serve under, that's fantastic, that's obviously the best, but but uh, with that kind of covering, then just try stuff. Uh, it's nice to be able to try different things in ministry while still having a covering, and, and if things go wrong, there's someone who can yes. you know, have your back and, and, uh, and sort of uh, open doors for you and, and so um, or the things you can delegate up if you start something and it's just too big for you. Well, um, you you have started, you have shown that you are willing, ready and able to work and then sometimes you do delegate up to your senior pastor and, and uh, build that kind of relationship. The other thing is, in working with a senior pastor, um, sometimes saints will see you as a young man, young woman, and think, oh, man, you've know, you got the goods, you're going places, and and they uh, can actually try to influence you uh, either to go against what the senior pastor is doing or to have ambitions outside of the parameters your senior pastor has set. And, of course, that's just something we have to fight sure is that we are aligned with the vision and mission of our senior pastor and never to allow ourselves or others to to uh, you know, take us out of that alignment. and and uh, then I would say don't um, don't give your pastor any surprises. you know, work, uh, work with him, but uh, whatever you're doing, whatever initiatives you want to take on, um, discuss them beforehand make sure you're not doing anything that he's not aware of and um, and you know go with the wisdom of the the gray the gray heads <laughs> and and I guess the, the final thing I'd say is use the opportunity you have of working with a senior pastor to discuss all the you know tough issues you might have uh, that you are you are wanting to get answers to as as you're, um, shall I say, working out your own theology, um, try these questions out, ask good questions, tough questions, do your homework, mm. but you have someone who you can uh, go to and someone who has, um, in some cases, book knowledge, but much more importantly, it's spirit knowledge that can help, uh, especially young people, um, you know, as, as I, I was, that I just think of so many instances of of um, thinking through things and and having my dad and and my my mother was a phenomenal Bible uh, student. Having both of them, that I could uh, bounce these ideas off and and learn.
0: Now you have completed your master's degree, and you're still continuing your education. And what are some of the factors that pushed you uh, to continue in your education
1: well uh, when I I really understood that the Lord was calling me into pastoral ministry I I really thought you know what Um, I need to be prepared to the very best of my ability and um, for me uh, I I thought well uh, if I go for a checkup or you know whatever is wrong in my body first thing I do is look on the wall of whoever I go to see. I, I want to see lots of paper on the wall mm-hmm. and I want to know before they touch this, this uh, body of mind, they've <laughs> they spent some time <laughs> learning something. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm not saying that's the be all and end all of, uh, um, pastoral preparation. But I, I do think if we have the opportunity, um, and, uh, and, and can avail ourselves of educational opportunities, you know, we, we should do so. Um, another thing for me is that, um, especially in, a, in a, a larger city, you're dealing with people. Um, there are many other pastors close by from denominational churches, uh, whatever they may be. And you know, most of them have spent a lot of time, a lot of years in school. And, um, and, and have their master's degrees and MDivs, PhDs, whatever. And I think if we have the opportunity and the ability, we should, um, in my mind, uh, apply ourselves to the same degree as our colleagues who are, uh, in other, in other denominations. Um, uh, I think we do have the, ability if we or or if we have the ability and the opportunity to um, test our faith and our beliefs against other competing worldviews shall we say we need to take that and, and say hey uh, does what i believe stand up to scrutiny mm. uh, academic scrutiny and and all of that and and can i give an answer um that will be cogent and and um uh, intelligible to those who have taken some time to study theology. So, for me, uh, it was something I really felt I needed to do um, in, in part. It's a credibility thing with with um, ministers of other denominations. As you know, there are times that, that people just say, oh yeah, it's just those Pentecostals. <laughs> and, sure. You know, nod, sure. nod, wink, wink. Uh, they, they really, uh, good-hearted people but they really don't know too much. Um, I, I don't want to be in a position where people um, you know, can use that against me. But um, and I have had uh, folks who have um, been on our website or um, called into the office and oh, you went to such and such a school. You know, that's where I went. You know, and mm-hmm. immediately uh, you have a, a, a connection and um, a credibility with them that uh, allows you now to speak in uh, with them in a manner that that um, is not condescending and they they know, hey, I need to listen to what this guy has sure, to say. Sure. And so, uh, now, uh, just in the context of preaching and teaching, I also have found it to be tremendously helpful to, I have gone through some of the disciplines um, involved. You know, I, I had to do a couple years of Greek as an example. Uh, languages are my worst uh, <laughs> thing. I have no facility for languages but it was part of the program it was part of the discipline and and it's not that I'm a Greek scholar because I'm not but but it helps you to read um, uh, scholarly material that is explaining stuff that we might not normally think of it, it, it really is a, a very very good um, training ground or things that we need to mm. to do and know and learn. So I encourage anyone who has the opportunity to get the best education you possibly can. It's not the be-all and end-all of ministry, but it uh, can really be a wonderful aid.
0: Now, mm-hmm. you worked for many years as a, a bivocational pastor, and, and you worked in ministry and also worked uh, a full-time job. What advice can you give to those that are working a secular job and also they're in ministry? Yeah,
1: the the um, uh, while, while I was an assistant pastor, I was um, I was working a secular job, also, uh, and it's it's funny at, at that time, um, folks weren't talking quite so much about being bivocational. It was almost like, well, oh, this is the way it is. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was just uh, uh, sort of a normal thing. There were uh, pastors we had uh, around who were full-time, but most uh, assistant pastors, certainly, even in some of the larger churches, were were uh, bivocational. And uh, and so the one thing that I, I, I really um, had to learn was was the whole uh, deal of of time management. Uh, I I was working with a, a truck leasing company, and uh, in sales and traveling uh, all over North America. So it was a matter of um, you're traveling uh, most of the week, and you come home. You're planning your schedule so you can get to school on particular nights, mm-hmm. and then you have a, a young family and, oh, they're all the church responsibilities. We were in the middle of trying to negotiate the real estate deal you know, for the building we're currently in. And and so, uh, at one point, I thought, you know, there's a word that I really need to learn and that word is no.
0: <laughs> and so, it,
1: it, uh, and I, oh, it's been a beautiful word for me ever since. Uh, yeah. We don't Need to accept every invitation. We don't need to um, do things just because people say, "Oh, you're good at it." Right. Uh, one thing I've certainly discovered is you can be good at something, but while you're doing it, it's draining every ounce of energy out of you. And that, mm. you know, what's the point of that? Uh, so we need to know uh, what we should be doing. What is is um, uh, definitely part of the calling that we have, uh, scrap the rest. We don't need to get into that. Um, I, I'm a big believer in in uh, observing the Sabbath. I'm, I mean, I'm a big believer in that. Uh, and I have seen how many people have burned out trying to work a, a full-time job, trying to run a church. And I think one of the biggest tricks the enemy has is to have us go 24-7. And uh, actually, my wife just booked a, picked up a book called uh, 24-6, <laughs> and <laughs> I've just been flipping through it. Mm. Um, it, it's, it. It is so easy to say, well, it's the work of God, it's the work of God, mm. therefore uh, I have to do it. Um, but to me, uh, my model is um, the President of the United States. You know, whoever that may be, uh, that person has responsibilities that are just... So far beyond anything we can uh, contemplate, but they they do it. They have families. They take vacations, and you, you wonder how is this done? Well, they learn how to delegate, to give power to others, um, how to to live in a manner that that um, uh, is holistic. You, you have to, and so I'm uh, I'm a, a very big believer in that give power to others, uh, delegate appropriately, say no um, to things that aren't uh, uh, really germane to your mission and your calling, and um, and uh, take a Sabbath. Get the rest that God mandated for us to get, um, or else we will quickly burn ourselves out and and be no
0: good to God or man. You know, when you mentioned about You know, sometimes we feel like, like our work is so like, it's so holy, so important that, you know, well, if I don't do this, it's not going to get done. And sometimes what I found is that there may be somebody that could do it better than me, but they're kind of, they're kind of waiting on me to say no so they can do it better than me.
1: Well, you know what, uh, (laughs) that that is such a fantastic uh, point. uh, one of the the things that we often do, and I think it it um, uh, well i I, I won't uh, say who because I, I probably get it wrong, but um, uh, we often do an analysis of our skills and and talents, and then we spend oodles of time trying to make our our bad better uh, and and this, it, whoever it was, or a writer, said, "You know, why waste your time with mm-hmm. that? Find somebody who can do the stuff you're bad at, and you use your time to develop what you're good at." Mm-hmm. And that makes so much sense to me. And so I, I have, um, uh, I have absolutely put people around myself who have skills I don't have, and and they do what they're good at, and I'm I'm happy to. Um, Delegate that authority to them. Uh, maybe it's just that I'm lazy. I don't know but, uh, <laughs> but but I absolutely believe in the power of allowing those um, to do you know what they are gifted to do and um, And saying no to things that that I'm not gifted to
0: do Just just to break this down a little bit more for Let's say you've got a, a young guy or a young lady they're they've got a, a family with small children they're kind of maybe they're not working full time in ministry they're working part time how do they start mm-hmm. well, like what's the first step for them in that saying no or delegating or time management
1: well you know one of the biggest things that i i um, went through uh, my company sent me on um uh, on you know, there there was a speaking um uh, what should I say? A series of speakers that would come into a big convention center, and they would—they'd uh, be very successful people who would be talking about their lives. And I, I came to realize that two things seemed to come up uh, in in almost every speech, um, and and at the end, the speaker would say, and and usually it'd be just about uh, this length. You know what? Uh, five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, whatever, I, I met Jesus Christ, and He has made all the difference in my life. And and it's something uh, I would recommend that you check out. And then they just move on. But it would just be that thirty-second testimony. Mm. And I thought, hmm, you know, I, I keep hearing this. That's got to mean something. And then the second thing that uh, so of course I. I to me, I was saying, just being a Christian um, doesn't mean that you can't be successful uh, in the world. Or I should say, because yeah. you're a Christian doesn't yeah. mean you can't be successful in the world. Uh, and the s- second thing that I kept hearing is they'd say, get your life down on paper. Mm. Um, what are you here for? Um, what are you going to commit yourself to? Get it down on paper. And I kept hearing it and hearing it till finally, just to, you know, get it off my uh, to-do list, I, I, um, I sat down to get this done. And and I wrote something down. And when I now looked back at what I had written, I said, that's not me. You know, I can't commit myself to that. And then all of a sudden I had that scary moment of realizing that my head and my heart were misaligned. You know, my head was saying what I should be doing and my heart was saying, you know, I'm not in. And, and so that actually led to a four month, um, process of writing, rewriting, writing, rewriting uh, until I finally had head and heart together and, and actually knew what it was God had created me for. And, and so with that knowledge, um, I I was then able to structure everything in my life around that. In other words, if it's not part of my core um, uh, purpose, it's not going to get done. Mm. And so um, part of it, um, I I, I won't try to go through it. There are only uh, three points, really, uh, in in my case, but I I don't want to prejudice someone's thinking by saying, you know, here's, uh, here's my life in three lines, but really that's what it is. Three lines, one that relates to my relationship with God, one that relates to my relationship to my family and leading them to Christ, and the third that relates to my interaction with, with others and how that will be structured. So, so once you have that personal purpose statement, and that personal understanding of this is why I'm here, then you stick to that. I mean, rigidly, (laughs) because there are so many things that come along that will try to get you to do this and do that and go here and go there. And if it's not part of who you are and what God's created you to be, forget it, don't do it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and as parents of young children, I just can't stress enough that, that, Uh, You've made the decision to get married. You've made the decision to have a family. That has now become a priority above everything but your relationship with God. Um, So relationship with God, number one. Relationship with your spouse, number two. Raising godly children, number three. And church might be number four, but it's certainly not number one or two or three.
0: Wow. And. Thank you for sharing that. I, I, I appreciate you being open with us and, and talking to us about this because I think sometimes we, we get caught up, especially when we're young and we feel like, God, I'm giving you everything. I'm laying it on the altar, and, and it's not that God ever asks us to, to take that back, uh, but we just have to know how to manage that and be wise, and sometimes we, we have passion and no wisdom. And uh, so, I th- th- thank you for, for for sharing that with us. Uh,
1: and of course, we have seasons, right? There's the yes. season of, of uh, child rearing. Well, that's a season we need to be uh, very diligent and deliberate about that. And, and that may lead to a, another season where we don't have those uh, child care responsibilities and we can devote.
0: Any books or resources that you would recommend for young ministers?
1: Um, well, this might sound um, almost uh, silly, but um, the Bible. Uh, and and the, the, the book I most recommend is the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I say that because as a theology major, I've been missing and that's my Bible hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so I I really started on a program of, of um, very deliberate Bible study and, and I mean I, I do that book by book sure. uh, so if I'm if I'm reading Mark well I'm reading Mark you know it's not a chapter here and a chapter there um, it's, it's sequential and and deliberate and man that that is just life-changing. Now, um, obviously, there are just so many good books out there that people can read. Uh, apart from the Bible, the the book that has had the biggest influence on my life is a book called uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And I, I, I think that's probably been out um, probably almost 20 years now. Um, that is the one book apart from the Bible, that I think has, has just done more for me in learning how to structure my life and how to work my relationships. Um, apart from that, frankly, there are so many good books. Uh, it's based on our purpose statement, based on our ministerial calling. Um, we, you know, we can seek out and find some very good books to help there, but not to try to overburden anybody. Uh, the number one book is the Bible, and we really do need to read that. Um, have our four or five different versions that we can uh, go through. That if there's a point we're trying to to understand, we we can literally, you know, get the help we need um, by by reading different translations. We take the time to ask questions of the text. So if there's something we don't understand, we say, Lord. You know what's this? And he delights in opening his word to us as we read with a, um, a an open heart and mind and say, "Lord, I want to know this stuff. <laughs> I want to know you. I really don't want to spend my time just reading the words of some theologian. I want to yeah. hear from you." Right. And and so, so although it might sound trite, it, it's really to say, "Get to know your Bible."
0: Hmm, very good very good and and just in in kind of a closing thought, what advice uh, and you've talked about some some great things in this interview and i but what advice would you give to a young person who feels a call to ministry
1: yeah i i I, I think the first thing is um, make sure you you have a, a devotion time that that you know you just don't miss and it can't be something that's open for discussion. Um, uh, for some people like myself, it, it has to be early in the morning. I'm just wasted at night, so there's no point in me thinking I'm going to do anything um, as far as building my relationship with God at night. <laughs> so for me, it's early morning. And of course, that means no phone, no computer, no nothing but you and the Word and and your conversations with God. So that that is just crucial crucial to have that um, inviolable is that a word? Um, kind Sounds of good Will be. not be violated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Devotion time. And the next thing is really I would say uh, determine what kind of ministry you have. Um, you know we have our fivefold ministry that we speak of in Ephesians. Um, what are you? And, and having decided what you are, then then um, work to develop that. Uh, mm-hmm. We are not all things to all people. And, and unfortunately, I have seen people who are misplaced. They know what God has called them to They know what they should be, but they're trying to do something else. And it doesn't work. And so yeah. uh, figure out who you are and stick to that. And, and you know don't rush God he he will uh, uh, he will open the doors that need to be opened uh, at the appropriate time but there's no don't, don't rush ahead of him uh, get under a good mentor and uh, and uh, i I have a a, a little a concept I sort of use that um, uh, if you have a business any little business you know, two-bit company that you start uh, and incorporate, guess what? You have to have a board of directors and that board of directors is responsible. They have fiduciary responsibility for the, um, for that business. And, and I think here we have our lives, um, this, this incredible, uh, time that God has allowed us to live and to work and to minister, and how many of us actually have a board of directors for our life? You know, mm-hmm. we just that's sort good. of go along and 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 give this life less attention than we would give, uh, you know, a landscaping business. Yeah. <laughs> going, well, no, no, no that's, that, 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 that's crazy. So have a board of directors and you listen to your board. Um, none of us is smart enough on our own to um, to do this all. Um by ourselves, so let's let's get the help we need, and and uh, and be submitted to those uh, who the Lord puts in our lives to help us in this matter.
0: I wonder, in closing, if you could just say a prayer over that young person that feels a call to ministry, and and maybe yeah. dealing with some of these things we've talked about. If you wouldn't mind, just uh, pray a blessing on them, or whatever you feel.
1: Absolutely, dear Lord, we. Come before your throne of grace. We come to obtain mercy to help us in time of need. And we do need you. There's no uh, way we can do anything in life without your help. And uh, for those who have been called and singled out by you and have been given the opportunity and the calling to minister unto you, Uh, That is just such an incredible situation, such an incredible opportunity. And Lord, uh, we know that along with that comes um, great responsibility toward you, great attacks from the wicked one who would want to deter us from what you have called us to do. But Lord, we know that you have called us to minister to you, minister to your people, and and draw others to Christ. And so I pray for that young woman, I pray for that young man, wherever they may be, and for the work that you have called them to, the ministry that you have birthed in their hearts and inspired them to. I pray, God, that your spirit would fill them, your anointing would be upon them, and that they would go forth with tenacity, with enthusiasm, with, with great joy to fulfill your calling in their lives. We need you. We are thrilled that you would um, choose to use any of us. This is not something that we could ever ask for. It's a a calling that comes from you, the Almighty God. So I pray, Lord, for your blessing upon each young person who is facing decisions right now and uh, just seeking your perfect will. um, Speak to them. Be their God. Be their leader, their master and they're empowered. We give you
0: thanks for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother McKenzie, thank you so much for joining, to, for joining us uh, for this interview. It, it's been an honor to have you with us.
1: My absolute pleasure. You've
0: been listening to a ministry mentorship podcast with Jacob Tapia. If you'd like to connect with our guest or find links to any recommended resources, you can go to The show notes of this podcast at ministrymentorship.com backslash podcast. And there you'll find a link to all of our podcasts. Thanks for listening and God bless.